Stand by for the latest episode of the Signal 50 Podcast with your hosts, Bravo and Alpha, two lifelong friends that swore an oath to uphold and defend the Constitution of the United States of America. Stand by for broadcast. Thanks for joining us here today for July 18th, 2022 for the Signal 50 podcast with your host Alpha and Bravo. A little bit different show format. We're changing things up a little bit, and we've noticed a a significant increase in listenership. So thank you very, very much. Uh, We're up about 175%, which is kind of cool if you ask me. Bravo, good morning, sir. How are you? Very good, sir. You know, it's a rainy day outside, but the numbers make me feel so much better, and it's bright and sunny. Absolutely. Very much. Very encouraging. Very encouraging. We're getting some good feedback and and we're really glad that you've joined us again for another episode of the Signal 50 podcast. Today is episode 93. Uh, 93. That's that's a lot of lot of stuff going on there. So I don't know. I I don't know about you, but I I stepped out this morning and I I think I speak for the majority of the people in this country right now. It feels like you're wearing a wet towel when you step outside. It is. It's horrible. (laughs) Well, like I said, where's winter? Oh no, no! It's just, it's just awful. I know. We, just, I always, I always get into this argument with everyone. They're all complaining about the heat, humidity. I said, well, you know, in six months we'll have snow and it'll be cold. So I, I'd rather have that. Just saying. No, not me. I don't want the snow. Cold, I can deal with, but snow, I'm done with snow. I've had enough snow. You know, just so it's just, just awful outside. You know, I woke up very, very early this morning and I went out and went to the gym and it was just, you know, you take a, a breath of that, that just it rained last night here and it's just i think the humidity is like 94 percent. the dew point's like 74 75 yeah that's not fun and the temperature already this morning is like 78 and the dew point is so close it's just it, mm-hmm. everything is just moist moist and miserable Ugh, what are you gonna do terrible so anyhow thanks again for joining us uh you know that being said you know we uh we're going to put all the links to our social media outlets on the, in the show notes. You, know, you can catch us on Twitter. You can go to Rumble. We've changed a little bit on Rumble. If you're just sitting at your desk at work or, or you don't have access to your phone and you want to listen to us on PC, join us over on Rumble or a podcast outlet. Uh, we're going to do away with a lot of video stuff. It's just, um, you know, the Rumble thing is it's fine. It's a, lot, get, of, yeah. it's a lot of effort. It's a lot of effort. It's hard. Yeah, it's hard. It's it's hard to do video stuff. Um, you know, we're not monetized and we're not uh, we're not funded. We don't take any advertising money. We're doing this uh, as a service. So we're going to try to kind of make things a little bit easier, a little more streamlined for ourselves because it's just too much work. And contact us, contact us on Getter. You know, Getter has been a, a really good outlet for us. Yep. Uh, Bra- uh, Bravo over there. He's over on Truth Social. I'll get there someday. Don't give me any crap. Uh, <laughs> And you can follow a lot of the stuff that we're going to put up. We're going to put it up on Telegram for you at the Signal 50 chat uh, and, and official pages on Telegram. Uh, you can find us using the hashtag of hard truth or hashtag Signal 50 podcast, all one word. You can search Getter for our posts there. You know, we're we're way, way, way down the road from uh, 3,000 downloads at this point. And you can help us by uh, spreading the word and subscribing and sharing on Getter, True Social, Twitter. So thank you for your support. And we really appreciate it. And, you know, being lifelong friends like we were, we started out in middle school kind of talking about current events and talking, you know, about ideas and changing each other's mind. And you helped me recover from the becoming a Democrat. 
going from Democrats to conservatives. So I thank you for that, sir. But, you know, uh, it's, it's all about the learning and the education. And that's what we want to do here on the signal 50 podcast is teach and, uh, be taught. We want to hear from you and, and get some feedback. So we know what we, you want to hear. So thanks so much for the support. Yep. Thank you very, very much. Really appreciate that. So we got a lot of material that we want to cover again. You know, it's been a busy, uh, busy news cycle, a lot of stuff going on. Um, all the rage is, you know, uh, Biden's flubs and, you know, Saudi Arabia and whatever, but you know, there's a lot of bad news out there in the world, right? Yeah. Uh, we, <laughs> and we, we were reflecting on some of the latest shows that we've done and there's, there's some good news to be to be found out there. We want to start the day off and start the program off with a really good news piece out of Ohio mm-hmm. An Ohio McDonald's franchise owner. He's a veteran. Uh, they closed their store. They closed their franchise store for three months for renovation. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, his name is Tony Filiu. Yeah. He closed his uh, uh, location for renovations, you know, back in March. And generally speaking, when restaurants and places do that, they just say, you know, Hey, that's, you know, tough cookies. Well, he continued to pay his employees mm. um, their, you know, uh, their wage mm-hmm. you know, for full work weeks through the entire ordeal of remodeling a restaurant, which is probably no small feat. No. Um, they just reopened on July 6th. They closed their doors on March 28th. And this guy's quite a miraculous guy. He was a Korean war vet. He's 90 years old. He immigrated to the U.S. from Greece as a kid. So he's a mm. guy. Uh, he's just, it's just really a cool story. And he knew what it was like to be in their shoes, not to have any money and not to have any uh, income. He was an infantryman in uh, Korea. Mm-hmm. He began his career at McDonald's Yep. in 62, like after the war, right? Mm-hmm. In Mayfield, Ohio. And it's the same location that he owns today. He started as a part-time fry cook. Yeah. Well, he also worked at the TRW valve division plant and automotive and aerospace manufacturing in Cleveland. This guy is a hardworking guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he stuck with the company for 15 years, took ownership of the Mayfield Heights restaurant in 77, which is older than most of our listeners. Right. Right. So it's really a cool story um, of taking care of your people. Yeah. And if you look at the show notes and, yeah, this is a, this will be in the top of the of the links there. You'll see that the McDonald's was actually the old fashioned. Well, we're calling it old fashioned is what I grew up with. Red roof and the distinct oh, yeah. shape of the roof, and you know the arches and and I'm I'm kind of thinking to myself, uh, Alpha, why would you want to change that? That's a classic. But you know, I guess they have to keep up with the franchising rules and stuff like that. But they go to this new building. It's very sleek and modern and square. Yeah. 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 But the best part of it is, is is seeing the picture with the owner and the rest of the people that were furloughed basically, but they were paid during their furlough. So, you know, I was talking to you before the show and I think this is very important to bring up. If it wasn't for him investing in his people, every single one of them want to come back and start working again. And they show appreciation by being loyal and doing the best job they can. And I bet you, if you went into this McDonald's, everyone wants to be there and they love their job. And I bet it would probably be the best customer service experience you've ever had in a restaurant. Yeah. 
and, or, and or a fast go, food restaurant. Yeah, and you have to go to you know privately owned, you know, single, you know, solo franchise, you know, not even franchises, but solo owned restaurants. You know, I have one here in my area. Go there all the time. Love them to death. They know my name. They know what I want. The waitresses are great. Um, but when you go into McDonald's, you, you know, well, you, you've all had that experience, and I'll stop. But basically. <laughs> You know, this, this is, this is one of those stories that reminds me of my, my leadership roles when I was in charge of the ambulance squad here in the, in the area. And we had, you know, we had volunteers and paid staff and I wanted to make sure that our paid staff, um, the volunteers were working other jobs and had their benefits, but I wanted to make sure our paid staff had health insurance paid for and taken care of. From that time, uh, I was there for four years as the chair of the board. And I had loyal paramedics, loyal EMTs. We had low turnover. Everyone loved being there. It was a great place to be. Um, and when I left, well, things changed and now they have high turnover and they, you know, it's kind of a miserable place to be. I just like to look back on that and I see a lot of similarities with this story we're talking about right now. So something about loyalty. Well, hats off to uh, Mr. Filiu. Yes. Really, really nice job. Well done. And uh, I'm sure you've got some good loyal people there. And that's kind of a feel good story. That's how that's how people should mm -hmm. you know, treat treat each other. The guy's in the put himself in the position to be able to do that. So that's that's really that's yep. really. And it's quote, you know, it says in the position to do that. That's that's just kudos to him. So, good for right. him. Good for him. Glad he did it. You know, that that's great stuff. So, you know, now we have to move on to more serious stuff. And unfortunately, the world well, is, you know, it's part of the hard truth. Everyone it is. You know? <laughs> it is. So the, there's your fluffy story. Uh, oh, it's a nice story. Come on. It we is. want to try on a, on a nice. No, it, it's not a nice story. It's it's the American success story. Yep. The guy came here. He immigrated to the United States, probably with his parents. The guy's 90 years old. He wanted to make something of himself. He joins the army or he was drafted for Korea. And he goes ahead and he serves his country, he comes back, he works as a fry cook, he works another part-time job, and next thing you know, he works hard, works hard, works hard, shows up every day. He owns the franchise. Yeah, he, buys Some, it. Yeah. he buys it. Some years later, he's in the position to say, you know what, y'all can have a three-month vacation on me while we go ahead and redo this place, and we'll see you when we open again. Yep. And it's good for and, him. Uh, yeah, it's uh, not forgetting where you came from, which I think yes. what we're seeing right now in our leadership right now, we're, we're seeing... They need a huge heaping dose of you forgot where you came from. Exactly. Right? Especially when it talks about this transgender female, which I'm, <laughs> I'm not, again, everyone, I'm using science and I'm using biology. X, 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 Y, X, X goes to the female, X, Y goes to the male. And this trend, well, transgender female still has a penis. So I'm calling, um, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You're going to have to tell me because we had somebody say trans women, trans females, yeah. trans women. This is a trans woman can have children. But apparently, according to this story out of New Jersey that we're going into here, a that was that that professor from Stanford in the last program that we brought up. <laughs> a trans woman can have a baby. OK. And apparently a trans woman can father a baby. Huh. Um, I I'm call BS. Now, I'm the completely flagged out. I'm calling I'm, it. I'm confused. BS. I'm completely. I'm, That's I'm right. Because it's BS. Yes. I'm, I'm flummoxed. And okay. it's BS. 
So, so let's get into the story. What's the meat and potatoes of the story, Bravo? <laughs> so basically, so they had a this male he calls himself a female uh, to the New Jersey direction uh, corrections facility says, "I want I'm a female and I need to be with other females." But remember, he has all the male parts. Okay, right. So they place him in the only, one and only, all women's correctional facility in new jersey there's only one and they place him in there once you know it something you know a consensual relationship that's fine impregnates one not only one but two female inmate mates or inmates or you know yeah two female inmates are, are now suddenly pregnant, pregnant. Uh, trans woman got him pregnant i don't know how that works how does that so, work if, if that trans woman can have a baby i don't know uh, so I, you know, I think to myself, uh, well, uh, explain to me, you know, why are we uh, catering to this very, very small population uh, that considers themselves, oh, I don't know, male to female, female to male, but they're play, <laughs> they're catering to these people, and all of a sudden, you get these complications. Uh, and and it's it's not a complication. It's called biology. I you know I, I it's it's an inconvenient complication for people who believe in this nonsense. Well, you know, I, I guess they had nothing better to do on on their uh, lockdown time, so they found something to do anyway. <laughs> right. But the criminal uh, is 27 years old, uh, and uh, was then moved after the second impregnation. You know, his parts are still working. It looks like. And was moved to a, uh, according to the story, a youth offending facility, meaning youth, uh, adolescents, juvenile delinquents. Below 18. Below 18. Um, I got a problem with this, too. Why is there an old guy in the middle of a bunch of kids? Well, this Probably is not female. this. This is also not somebody that was in prison for like, uh, you know, uh, walking through the Capitol building and taking pictures and walking out the door. This is. This is somebody that was in prison for uh, a, a violent crime, mm. manslaughter, I believe. Yeah, this is this is no look. Serving a thirty-year sentence. He's supposed to be in jail to be punished. He, he did bad things. He should be punished. And then, like you said, Alpha, once he serves his time and he paid his debt to society, then you know, start a new life. But this is not starting a new life when you're getting what you want by lying about what you think you are when you're really not. And apparently nobody could tell that this person still had a functioning penis. Uh, they do a physical and everyone that walks in those places. So well, I don't they must have it. missed somebody missed something. Well, that's I another story for another day. It is another story <laughs> for another Riders. day. So, so anyhow, you know, this is just, you know, we're going to bring these up once in a while because uh, look, if, if you want to, if you want to go through sexual reassignment and do the, do the whole counseling thing and you can pay for it and I don't have to pay for it. And all of a sudden that's fine. You go do you. Mm-hmm. But something like this, after we've been told that trans women can have babies when trans women can also father babies suddenly in jail, and I don't understand. They must be hermaphrodites. I can don't think so. Do both roles? No, it doesn't I mean don't so. know. So anyhow, oh, we're going to move along here. Total so we're going to put the link in the show notes to that story, and I encourage you to read it. So, you know, get yourself a good stiff drink before you read that one. Uh, <laughs> Prepare, prepare to wrap your mind around all the rhetoric that's been going around. My mind today. hurts. I just want I you to know. It's just, it's just really crazy. So, you know, look, we, we talked a little bit about, you know, um, 
some of the um, neurological disorders that evidence would suggest that the mRNA vaccines are causing some studies uh, mm-hmm. that have been done in Europe, you know, some Alzheimer's stuff and Parkinson's and, and Lou Gehrig's disease or, you know, the spike proteins are degrading myelin and all that other business. Uh, it's a developing story. We're going to keep an eye on it. We're going to bring you some fact on it the next time, but we want to raise it here. There's some evidence to suggest that uh, not only are acute illnesses being spurred by the mRNA vaccines that everybody, you know, 60% of the world population has been subjected to over the past uh, couple of years, uh, but mental illness is on the rise and, and they're finding a correlation. We're going to bring you some fact on it between that and the mRNA. So we're going to keep an eye on the story. We're going to put out something on the next program or the program after that. There's some stuff. It's very complicated, very wonky stuff to read and get through. Uh, so we're going to put that together for you, and we're going to get it off. It's yeah, a lot we of distilled yeah. we distilled these stories down so that yeah, we got to parse it out, and some of it's behind a paywall, and we got to get it out from behind a paywall for you. And it's just, it's just, there's a lot going to happen over the next couple of years, according to what's going on. So you've got a a Dr. Hans Bricks update. Dr. I don't Hans Bricks. Bricks. Well, she admitted to what I call sabotage and uh, uh, subterfuge, which, okay, that's the hard truth I'm giving it. It really, the way they put it in the news is um, she manipulated data. Okay. When it came out for, the CDC recommendations and the response early on in the pandemic. We all oh, remember Dr. Tell Burke. me, tell me, tell me a government official didn't manipulate data. Oh, well. Say it's not so. Oh, it's so. It is uh, so. The story again in the show notes, click on that and you can read all about it. This is from the National Pulse. Uh, Raheem Kassam, awesome, awesome uh, investigative reporter, brings the story to us. And there's a link, there's a, and there's a, if you do a root cause analysis, like we always like to do here on the Signal 50 podcast, and you look at, well, how did Dr. Deborah Burks, who has no idea who, who, you know, she didn't know President Trump, and how did she get in the room? You know, that, that, you ever hear the saying, Alpha, it's not what you know, it's who you know? Okay, well, it seems that the current New Hampshire one congressional candidate, uh, who was the chief of staff for Burks uh, while she was an ambassador recommended her to get into this role, be part of the team. And he, and he was working with a, he was uh, a member of the, uh, his name is Mowers, M-O-W-E-R-S, uh, who served uh, as president Trump's campaign official and manager and was, was very high up in the Republican party uh, place Burks, uh, into that response team, you know, that was led by Pre- uh, Vice President Pence and the rest of the team. Oh, we all know Fauci. Ugh. Anyway, now something in her, in Dr. Burks's, Deborah Burks's history is that she wrote a book, Silent Invasion. And it was a book that was basically, in a nutshell, uh, talking about how we would be overcome by. A, a viral infection or a, a pandemic and this uh the book was actually full of assumptions and errors but she had pro- she placed her assumption and errors that she wrote in this book to the covid response which also shows a conflict of interest on burks's part and we're all suffering for for it now uh this is this is a developing story we'll keep an eye on it um but if uh, if I were to look into Mowers, he's actually a never Trumper 
and uh, a rhino. So something else to just shake your head at. I think President Trump is similar to like the owner of that McDonald's story we just did. Yeah. President Trump's very loyal to his people. People are loyal to him, except yeah. when the, you know they don't get what they want and they, you know, whatever. But everyone that works for President Trump in his in his past loved working for him and were very loyal. Yes. Um he took good care of his people. Yes. And I believe wholeheartedly that when he took office and people say he made bad decisions, he was actually relying upon the people that he surrounded himself with that helped him get to that office. And, you know, not everyone has a, an established, uh, establishment, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. And, and yeah. he was, he had bad people around him and this is one of them. Mowers is one of them. So, yeah. Yeah. There were a lot of, a lot of, uh, yeah, that's a, another story for another time. There should have been a major HR flush when Trump took over, but you know what? He, he learned he from his mistakes. He learned from his mistake, and yeah. let's see if he makes it again. I don't know why. We'll I don't think he will. That. I'll be honest uh, with you. He's I, I don't know that. I don't know that he will have an opportunity. We'll have to see what happens. Mm. Yeah, there's some talk about that. There's one. some talk about that. We'll, about him running again. We'll talk about that. Yep. I want to so, talk about a little bit about election integrity, real quick. Yes. And, go ahead. Uh, Mike Lindell, uh, Patriot, and his efforts are starting to bear some fruit. He's been pushing, you know, he talked about the machines and we actually talked about this uh, on our earlier shows, uh, talking about how um, the, the whole idea of the elections and the numbers and how they're manipulated. But basically, Mike Lindell is known as the machine guy and he's calling it out. So basically, on July 21st in Arizona, the judge uh, greenlights the hearing and uh, Mike Lindell is filling a plane up. And this was off of uh, an interview he was doing with Lou Dobbs, which I listen to all the time. Talks about him. He's loading up a plane full of lawyers, Alpha, and they're going to talk to get the voting machines removed where Terry Lake and Fincham, Representative Fincham in the Arizona Assembly, uh, brought suit. And I think this one is going to be one to watch. Let me tell you, this is going to happens on Thursday. Thursday the twenty first. Yeah. Well, we're gonna have to see what happens, and we'll we'll put a story out about it. Yep. Very exciting. And apparently, twenty attorneys general have sued the Biden administration to prevent transgender folks from using bathrooms that don't correspond to their biological sex. Ding ding ding! Yay. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens there. I, I don't have a lot of hope. And in other news. <laughs> All right, so everybody's familiar. We did a we did some uh, talk in the past couple programs about you know the um, New York State Rifle and Pistol Club versus um, uh, whatever uh, story there um, about how a may issue state and a shall issue state, and you know you can't restrict people's access to the Second Amendment and permits are you know you can do a permit, but you can't make it an incredible obstacle and a bunch of other things. Uh, well, Governor Hochul uh, basically. After losing uh, the New York State Rifle and Pistol Association case, um, v. Bruin, uh, where the government said, you know, it's a fundamental right uh, to bear arms and, you know, you can't restrict it and you can't put conditions, you know, you can make people pass a background check and and that's pretty much it. Uh, so she decides, Governor Hochul puts a bill up in front of the legislature. They're going to check, you know, three years of your social media history. They're going to do intensive interviews. They're going to do all this backgrounding and all this other stuff. I am all for a background check for a pistol permit. Mm -hmm. 
A background check can be done by the FBI in 15 seconds. When they want to. Well, no, you know, you can go do a NICS check, and that's as far as your background check should go. You know, do you have a criminal history? No. Do you have a mental well, health history on record? No. No, I meant that the FBI is delaying their processing of that. Uh, no. 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 Uh, I, I pass NICS checks in, 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 in 12 seconds. Okay. No, I'm, okay. I'm, I'm asking... Um, from what I'm hearing, they're they're the they're state. trying to delay it's, the process, so you it's can't. It's the state. It's the state that goes delays the process, right? The, right. The feds may be backed up a little bit, but they they will get through them. This is not a big deal. Okay, so there's a congressional hopeful. His name is Paladino from the 23rd Congressional District in New York. It's the Buffalo area. Everybody knows there was a mass shooting out there. Uh, he's bringing suit against uh, New York Governor Hochul. Uh, her gun permitting law that they've just passed is even more draconian than the old one. Mm -hmm. Uh, it was restrictive and reactionary law and following the SCOTUS decision was like a knee jerk reaction. It was like sticking their finger in the air, giving them the, uh, unfriendly middle finger uh, mm -hmm. to the Supreme court. And they're turning it back into a May issue state by legislation, which they can't do. So this guy, Paladino, we're going to put a link in the show notes. WNBF has got the, uh, story. Uh, about you know how he's doing that, and and my understanding is the gun owners of America GOA has also filed for an immediate permanent injunction against Hochul and the new New York State law as flying in the face of the Supreme Court decision, uh, New York State Rifle and Pistol versus Bruin. We'll mm. have to see how that develops. Uh, there's some monkey business going on in Maryland where they changed the scheme too. We'll talk a little bit about that later in the show. There's there's a story we're going to we're going to talk a little bit about that. One of the uh, discussions here mm -hmm. and our next story. And yes. just when you think things couldn't get any more weird, mm. there was a plane crash in Greece. A Ukrainian flag plane, a Ukrainian crew mm. and a Serbian weapons dealer got together and they're shipping 11 tons of, uh, you know, weapons of war. Yeah. Uh, mortar shells, landmines, explosives, etc. cetera. Uh, where were they shipping that again? They were shipping it to, uh, I think, was it going to Ukraine? No, it was going to Bangladesh. Uh, Bangladesh. Interesting. That's Bangladesh. not Ukraine. Bangladesh, uh, crashes in Greece. The plane crashes in Greece. No, nobody survives the plane crash. Of course, because you know, if you're a pilot and you're in a plane and you're sitting on 11 tons, Oh, of armaments um you're you're not going to make it right that's a, that's a hazardous materials response the last time i checked so let me ask a question mm. was that really serbian weapons or were those u.s weapons that were shipped over to ukraine being smuggled out and proliferated to bangladesh uh i think i'll take ah. option b I'll take option B, too. This is exactly why Rand Paul wanted uh, an inspector general uh, to oversee all of this. Mm. And he was denied and they laughed at him and they thought, well, there's no corruption here. It's fine. Everything's fine. Nothing well, to see not, here. Nothing to see here. It's not fine, people. It's not. It's not fine. We're, we're investing billions and billions and billions of dollars and it's just being stolen. Right. So that's fine. And meanwhile, our country is falling apart. And, Correct. You know, You're a loser. We're $6 a gallon for gasoline. Uh, All right, so we're going to move along to our first block of, of, of discussion here. Yes. And that's, we're going to let you take that away, Bravo. All right, so, uh, Alpha, you're going to make sure I don't get too wonkerish and I uh, try to maintain the uh, 
<laughs> academic uh, credentials to a minimum, which, you know, very minimum. Very I minimum. try. I really do. But I thought it was very important that we apply a concept that typically other articles and other respected mainstream media would have brought this up, but they're not. So I said, I said to Alpha, why don't we try it? Why don't we do this? Because I do this all the time. And what I'm titling this is that Biden opens the bioethical Pandora's box really quickly, bioethical uh, issues in medicine. Uh, I'll bring up some famous ones. Terry Schiavo. Sound familiar? Remember that from the 90s? Yeah, that was the right to die. The right to die versus, uh, and they had two parties that were had, had opposing ways of looking at it. Terry Schiavo, unfortunately, so came to some medical condition where she was unable to care for herself and she was on events and blah, blah, blah. But it comes down to the right to die and the, the husband wanted to end it, but the family wanted to take it over and it turned into this big brouhaha. But th these kind of issues happen all the time in, in modern day medicine, whether, you know, the decision to remove life support from a patient of a loved one that you have, where we get into living wills and everything else. Now, the reason why I bring this up is there's a process uh, that I'm holding the book right now, uh, clinical ethics, um, that we apply a process looking at issues surrounding a case. Now, I will preface this all, everyone, that we are not in tune to the entire medical record. So I can't, we can only surmise on some things, but what, what facts I'm using to make my ethical uh, decisions are based on what's in the news and the stories are linked here in the show notes. Uh, it's from right. the New York Post. And this is all on the on the backdrop of the 10-year-old girl That's right. being raped and, and Biden using that as a political tool. Correct. And we all know now, uh, it's come out that it was a, uh, 27-year-old um, illegal alien who should not have been here, okay? So that's that's where we're going with this. Now, we all recall that Biden selectively described how a 10-year-old girl who was raped, uh, they didn't mention the age of the person, and they did not mention uh, the, the length of the, you know, the pregnancy, but needed to go across state lines because Ohio has a six-week um, rule in pregnancy, you can't get an abortion. Again, we'll talk about this in a second. Other details have come to come out is that the uh, medical providers in this case uh, were were treating this ten year old girl. So there was an, there was an Ohio OBGYN who who uh, consulted with uh, uh, Dr. Caitlin Bernard in Indiana and uh, to perform this abortion uh, because the pregnancy uh, was six weeks and three days. So that was the indication why they had to send. And then the Indiana uh, Attorney General is investigating uh, the physician, uh, Dr. Caitlin uh, Bernard, for two things. One being, uh, why wasn't this reported? To, uh, she's a mandated reporter, meaning any child abuse has to be reported to the state for investigation. Well, wait a minute. Now, just well, to be clear, hold on yeah. one second, Bravo. Just mm -hmm. to be clear, any clinician that mm -hmm. suspects yeah. child abuse or any kind of abuse of a minor is obligated. They're, you're an obligated reporter. Correct. Okay. 
Yeah. So and and she, that shows from EMT all the way up to physician. That's PAs, everyone who comes in contact with this has to report it. Teachers have to do child abuse reporting, you know, that kind of thing. So, so she so she missed a fundamental step. Right. Now, there's all there's also an investigation being performed by the Indiana AG right now that shows that the rapist or the uh, the the person that did this horrible thing to this 10-year-old uh, was listed as 17 years old. Why would they do that, Alpha? Well, so, so what you're telling me here is they turned this into a Romeo and Juliet situation. That's correct. And if that and that's being confirmed right now, uh, but that's part of the case here that you know it has to be, uh, you know, entered into the bioethical review. All right, and we'll get to that in a second. Oh yeah, it's more than bioethical review. I mean, that's I'm criminal. Just... I get it, but I'm I'm doing it as a you know what I would normally do on a regular basis in my job. You know. Anyway, so Ohio has an exception in their abortion law, which I'm wondering why the Ohio OBGYN, which is a name I couldn't find, interesting enough, uh, why the mother uh, was not told that the 10-year-old is not fully mature enough to carry a pregnancy. You know, she's still maturing herself. It could be a harm to her. And Ohio allows these types of situations in, in cases of rape or uh, incest um, or danger to the mother so let's go ahead with this medical review so when, according to, the, to the, the book that i you know i've been trained on and i've done this many times let's talk about the indications for for this uh this abortion uh, and in this case specifically what's the benefit to the patient we call it beneficence benefit to the patient well it's obvious in this case 10 year old she's pregnant by a rapist legal immigrant um or alien as i like to say and she needs a, she needs to have this abortion, right? And the other part of this, part of the medical indications of this review is non-maleficence. Do no harm. We've heard that before, haven't you, Alpha? Do no harm. We don't want to That's disarm right. our patients. Well, I have to, this is the point I'm bringing up, is that both the Ohio and Indiana physicians utilize this case for their own political benefit because, of course, the HIPAA violations. You have Dr. Bernard getting out there on, on a TV show and, on CNN talking about how, how abominable and, and disgraceful it is that this little girl has to be traumatized and driven across state to get an abortion where she performed it. And uh, that's a HIPAA violation, everyone. You can't describe that kind of procedure to an age group that we know there's only one person in the country right now, <laughs> 10 years old. You can, put, you can identify that patient already, which is totally against HIPAA. But HIPAA is, of course... Uh, followed when it's convenient. I'm just saying that as a medical provider. Anyway, and also not following the laws regarding child abuse reporting. This is, this is, you're not supposed to do any harm. Then how come the mandated reporters, both in Ohio and Indiana, did not report this to the uh, Child Protective Services or whatever they called in that state? How about the police? Uh, well, police don't. You have to report it to the police. I can tell you from personal experience. I have reported numerous child abuse cases to the state hotline. Also, with the state hotline, then the investigator calls me right away in the ER, or the police are showing up. And I am more than I want to. I want to help, and I want to make sure that this child is safe. They didn't do that, so that's my first. That's that's under the medical indications. Okay. Now let's move on to the patient preferences. Now, we all have a right to our own autonomy, our own body. You know, 
my body, my choice. That's what this is relating to everyone. And this should have been applied to the immunization, you know, the, the shots that we were all mandated to get. This was a total violation of bioethics. But anyway, getting back to this, the child in this case is a minor, which means that the mother makes the medical decisions for her. That's right. Okay? Now, she defends the rapist. I'm going to leave it there. Well, that's choice A. Choice A, she defends the yep. rapist. Defend? Okay. <laughs> I mean, there's th there are some indications in the article that possibly she's an illegal immigrant herself or possibly that she's not supposed to be here or is she indentured to this guy? Oh, okay. I, that's a whole bunch of we don't knows, and, but that's, that's it's just, it makes my stomach turn. If it was my kid, I'd be up in arms. Mother did not report it to the C, to the child protective either. As parents, there is a there's a civilian part of this too that has to report. So well, I'll leave it there. Did the Ohio physician explain all the options to the patient? No. It did not follow Ohio law. We talked about this just a little bit ago. Abortion could have been done and uh and uh been performed without um having to travel. Now the reason why they're doing it this way, again, if you put the politics involved, right, Alpha, you put the, the, the time when that was done, which was six weeks, three days, and you spin it to the point where they had to cross state lines, they're using this patient as, a, as, a, as, a, as an example, which is terrible. Yeah, they're, political they're, tool. They're, they're basing their non-argument on, on a 10-year-old. Right. Now... The Ohio OBGYN, whose name I again I could not track, and they're keeping it in the in the quiet bin right now, but did not report it to their child protective services. The Ohio provider tells the story, uh, you know, to the attorneys, and there may be some HIPAA violations on their part. Now, the Indiana provider has definitely uh, shown some HIPAA violations, but also not reported to CPS and possibly falsified medical records. Again, this is according to the story. I did not see the medical records, but I'm looking at um, as part of my analysis in this bioethical dilemma on the information available to me, this is red flags all over. Well, this is a very double-edged sword. They tried to treat it as a Romeo and Juliet to keep the fact the matter that an illegal immigrant, which is against the narrative of generally speaking, the people that would support this kind of thing, mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, we uh, illegals can do no wrong. Well, in this case, somebody did some serious wrong, mm -hmm. and it wasn't a minor. Okay, this right. was a this was an adult male right. illegal. So they're tried to change the narrative and shape the narrative to you know, hey, illegals, this has nothing to do with illegal immigration. This was Romeo and Juliet by mm -hmm. lying on the medical records. Okay, right. so. That's not the case. So moving right. on. Now, when we look at this bioethical or the you know the moral dilemmas, and we and you're in analyzing a particular case, you look at the quality of life. Um, I'm going to say right now, this ten year old is going to need a lot of counseling, going to need a lot of help, um, and I'm hoping only but the best. And she's going to need a lot of it, and I hope she gets it. However, right now, was the patient's best interest met? Hell no, <laughs> it was not met in my opinion. Well, by the process by which we get to this decision to use politics mm. to come to the conclusion, we're going to drag this kid to Indiana for an abortion and, and you're going to become a spectacle over this, whether, you know, anybody can put the finger on you or not. You, you know, you know, you know that you were used for this narrative as you get older. 
Mm-hmm. So the best interest of this person were not met when, in fact, they could have just kept her in Ohio and done things very quietly. But they, right. they chose to use this as a political exhibition, like yeah. a, the, the Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Circus here with a 10-year-old rape victim. Oh, it's terrible. Now, talking about the 10-year-old specifically in the treatment plan that was uh, brought up by the Ohio OBGYN, did this plan contribute to the patient's comfort? No. <laughs> the patient's document was comfort was not 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 met no, we in this quality of life uh, determination it's terrible now last what treatment plan contributes to uh enhancing the patient's comfort or experience uh would what a treatment plan that would have been changed or thought through a little bit better would that have contributed to the patient's better well-being sure would have if they would have done their job which they didn't and they chose politics instead terrible disgusting uh uh, you know quality of life assessment on this particular case now let's get into what i can what we call contextual features in our analysis where we utilize principles of justice and fairness um i don't like to put in social justice because that's not what we're talking about we're talking about fairness uh, in this case what factors are we, you know, confounding factors, things that can get in the way of having this case go the way it should have, uh, you know, by the standards of care that are set forth by what an, another provider would do. So let's talk about the conflict of interest surrounding this case. The abortion activists, uh, well known uh, in Indiana, uh, especially the Indiana Dr. Bernard, uh, she has been seen on the steps of SCOTUS. She's been active you know she she gets on any tv that will have her and talks about it hmm, interesting how she's not on any tv now alpha she she's clammed up i think she's lawyered up basically. she better be lawyered up yep personal agendas have overwhelmed the objective medical judgment in this case 100 percent. they didn't report it to child abuse authorities they didn't follow the ohio law uh and uh they didn't follow hipaa and they're not including, um, they did not include appropriate law enforcement agencies. Oh my God. You know, they, they didn't call the police when they should have. Right. So the political agendas overrode appropriate medical care for this patient. This they used, they used this poor kid. Yes. And now here are my conclusions. This is what I would be right. You know, recommending to, if I did the review and had the whole, you know, again, this is an overview. This is based on information. I have available to me. It's almost like a grand jury. I would say, hell yes, there's enough information here to move on to a formal investigation. I think they're doing that right now, but I'm just prefacing what we're doing right here on the show today. The providers did not meet the appropriate bioethical standards of care by doing this. Providers failed to protect the patient from child abuse. Providers, both the uh, Bernard and the Ohio OBGYN allowed for personal politics to interfere with patient care and medicine has been co-opted by the left. In other words, politicized. There's my review, sir. Thank you. Well, you you know, you're, you're very scholarly and academic and I, and I appreciate that. I dig that about you, man. (laughs) It's driven you crazy since we're kids. Well, it's, it's driving me crazy now because, you know, that's an awful long way. You know, look, great. I'm glad you laid that out. I appreciate that. You and I do look at things a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. And how I would sum this up is they used a little 10 year old girl mm-hmm. to try to make a case 
that wasn't a problem or an issue. They created an issue out of thin air. Mm-hmm. They used a 10-year-old little girl. They tried to turn it into a Romeo and Juliet to prevent uh, revealing that a 27-year-old illegal immigrant raped a 10-year-old girl that never needed to be dragged across state lines in the first place because Ohio law would have taken care of this kid, mm-hmm. as it rightfully should. So the course of action should have been you get the kid taken care of however it needed to be taken care of. This kid, a 10-year-old child, a 10-year-old little girl, mm-hmm. is not capable of carrying a pregnancy. That's not. That's right. Medically, it is, it's a bad idea. It is. It's a very, 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 very bad idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not likely to produce a good outcome for mother or baby. Right. Um, we're talking about life endangering situation here, and and Ohio law would have taken care of it. That's right. Instead, these two idiots in Ohio and Indiana, and the rest of the left that wanted to use this as their show pony, mm-hmm. yet again went too far. Right. They, they took violated. The they, they took they, the mile instead of the inch. Well, they violated just about every bioethic and, and medical ethics, uh, mm-hmm. you know, guideline that there is. Mm-hmm. They violated uh, some sacred information in HIPAA. They they exposed this child to a lifelong, you know, torture. Mm-hmm. Um, this is just horrible. These are horrible people. Yes, evil. Evil. And if people out there don't think evil exists, you are you are very wrong. Right. So anyhow, that's that's kind of like our little analysis of what went on with this ten-year-old little girl, you know. And I just wish her all the best. Right, and I I, I want to say if the if I could have found this story somewhere, someone would have done this. Okay, but they're not doing it in the mainstream media. They're not talking about it right now. They've no, we're, blacked we're, out this too. No, we're talking about a fist bump with uh, MBS in, in Saudi Arabia. So you know, hey, listen, we got to move along here. We got a no. lot of material that we want to cover. So, you know, I, I it doesn't really take much to figure out that every time you look around, you watch the news, you know, there's uh crime, violent crime in this country is and we're gonna focus the rest of the program on on unfortunately violent crime and how it is on the rise in this country. Mm-hmm. And and there were some symptoms of it. You know, we'll get to that in a few minutes, but we all know that, you know, there were a bunch of, you know, George Soros backed a bunch of district attorneys and to go ahead and be elected to push progressive points of view, to lessen sentencing requirements, to go to the no bail thing, not arresting people for felonies, et cetera, et cetera, all over the country. You know, San Francisco, L.A., Minneapolis, uh, you know, they all come to mind. Right. Mm-hmm. So we have some specific examples we want to get to. Uh, so. Crime is on the rise, and why is it, right? I, I don't think it takes a rocket surgeon to figure it out, do you? No, it does not. No. Okay, so my conclusion, you know, in my my scholarly way of putting things, mm-hmm. which which my, my co-host Bravo here is going to, it's going to raise the rest of his hair on his head when I say this. It's really a very simple equation. Mm-hmm. More criminals equals more crime. That's correct. That's it. All done. <laughs> End of story. Case closed. Is it that straightforward? I got I, Come on. You got to add some words to it. At least a little. All right. So let's add some context to it. So you know how everybody in the, in the cities after, you know, what happened in Minneapolis to George Floyd, defund the police. You've got the squad up there. We have to reimagine and cancel the police and all this other stuff. Well, they went ahead and they did it. Mm. They really did it. They cut billions of dollars from law enforcement across the country. What do you think is going to happen? Uh, more crime. <laughs> They've right. got district attorneys, Chesa Boudin, 
in 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 San Francisco. What happened in San Francisco? They were not prosecuting anybody for anything. No. Nothing. Well, if you carried a gun, San Francisco you'd be arrested and tried and No. No. No, 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 no. 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 Only if you're, you know, not one of the protected class. Oh. Right. Yes, yes. So you got Seattle and Portland. They are desperately trying to refund the police departments. You mean it was a bad idea to defund the police bad, in the first place? It was a really bad idea. It turns out that this wasn't a good idea. They Ugh. didn't really think that through, right? So they're trying to refund their police departments. They mm. are short between 700 and 1,000 officers per per department. Everybody's leaving. Nobody wants to work there. The DA the is not going to back them up. I wouldn't want to work there either. Screw that. Do you want to work for somebody who hates you? No, we talked no. about this in the beginning. What no. happened to McDonald's? Take care of your people. They'll take care of you. Exactly. I took care of my people, my medics and EMTs. Took care of them. They stuck around. They liked being there. It was a fun place to work, despite the stuff we're if, doing. If you're a district attorney and, and you're continually investigating the police for doing their jobs, every time somebody says, I had a hangnail and they tore it off because mm-hmm. I resisted arrest. Yeah. And and I got a bruise on my forehead. Were you fighting with the police? Yeah, well, that doesn't matter. You know, come on, stop. Somehow in this country, everybody's gotten the bright idea that you can sit there and litigate a case against your, you know, being arrested at the side of the road with violence. Mm. That's not the place to do it. Right. Okay. Look what's happened in New York City. Mm. They stopped the stop and frisk. They stopped the bail. They stopped the this. They stopped the that. What has Manhattan turned into? A mess. It's, like it's a, a mess. It's a fecal it's, show. What do you think? It, of it? It's, it's yeah, absolutely. It's a disaster. Okay, so Minneapolis is in the same situation. Mm-hmm. New York City is in the same situation. Right. The most populous county in the state of Maryland, Montgomery County, they have a gap in hiring that they cannot fill. And I'm going to tell you something. Montgomery County cops are paid a lot of money, and they a still, lot of money. And they're not coming. They're not coming because the district, the, the state's attorney that covers this county, they won't prosecute anybody. And they're only interested in going after the cops. And the Common Council defunded the police. They are against the police and they're very progressive and they want to let everybody go and have a free for all in the county. So mm. what do you expect? OK, so moving along. So San Francisco, there's a new San Francisco DA. Chesa Boudin was recalled. Gone. Done. You're fine. Bye. Bye. The new district attorney comes in there and says, uh, this isn't working. What we're doing isn't working. She fires 15 employees and announces new hires immediately. Wow. We're going to put the link in the show notes. We're not going to get down. You're fired. You're fired. <laughs> Somebody finally got the message. Know. Now the proof will be in the pudding to see what happens in San Francisco. Yeah. The police need their backs covered as long as they're doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. And everybody's got to be really chill and understand that the police, every time somebody gets arrested for something, they're not getting their civil rights violated. That's right. You don't want that to happen. either. You don't want that to happen. We we're not, we're not promoting violations or infringements on civil rights to the contrary. You get your day in front of the jury. Mm. Yep. All right. So 
DA George Gascon, we've got another story here. I skipped over it, but DA George Gascon, and he's the LA guy. His policies are supporting criminals with his new directives. Mm-hmm. This is a guy that's on the bubble for recall. He thinks that there's absolutely nothing he's doing wrong. As somebody who's just recently been to LA, it's not the LA I remember. Mm. You've got homeless running around on the streets. Violent crime is on the rise. It's it's a free for all, and it's not law-abiding citizens that are the problem. It is repeat offenders that should have otherwise been incarcerated. Right. All right. So, everybody probably heard about a story called Bobby, uh, a gentleman named Bobby East. He was murdered in California. Mm-hmm. Uh Hold on one second. Let me let me get some information here. Bobby East was a NASCAR driver, young man, promising career. Uh, he gets into some kind of a disagreement with somebody. Uh, and this gentleman uh, named Trent William Millsap mm-hmm. uh, stabbed him in the chest and killed him Ugh. at a gas station on Westminster Boulevard in Westminster, California. Mm. This guy was out on a felony probation warrant. Yeah. Shouldn't have been there in the first place. Shouldn't have been in there in the first place. There's a lot of that. There's a lot of that pattern here, Alf. I'm seeing a lot of, they shouldn't have been there in the first place. If they weren't, they're in where they should have been and the laws were followed all these senseless stupidity stupidity crimes would not have happened correct senseless stupid dumb. nobody is doing their job what do you expect to happen <laughs> okay so here here you go here's a great example here you know gun crime is definitely on the rise and mm-hmm. as a supporter of the second amendment i'm not going to deny it i mean gun crime is on the rise right criminals have guns and they are committing crimes. Correct. These are not law-abiding citizens just going out and shooting other law-abiding citizens. Right. A 16-year-old was shot and killed in Southern Maryland at a fire department carnival. They have a suspect in custody. Don't know a lot about the suspect yet. They're not really reporting that. If I had to guess, if I had to guess, hmm, this 19-year-old who shot this kid at a fire department fundraiser, fire department field days. Some of the best times you could ever have is going to your local fire department field days. Mm-hmm. He shot a 16-year-old kid. Ugh. He's been charged with first-degree murder, second-degree murder, first-degree attempted murder, second-degree attempted murder, and two counts of first-degree assault. Mm. It's crazy. It is. This was at the Hollywood Volunteer Fire Department's field days. Um, and they had to shut the carnival down for the rest of the weekend so they don't get to make any money this year because of this clown. Uh, and a 16-year-old kid getting his life ended. Yep. We're going to give you an update to that story when it comes up, but my guess would be that 19-year-old kid is no stranger to the criminal justice system. Right. Don't tell me it's about the guns. It's not, not about, about the guns. guns. It's about the criminals. It's about the criminals. It's about the fact that for the last two years, 
the last two years, three years almost, the district attorneys, the court systems, and the criminal justice system in general has been on vacation. And getting paid for it. And getting paid for it. Yep. Awesome, right? And two so, ways. You know, One from the, the job they're supposedly doing and not doing well, but from Soros who paid them on the front end, supporting oh. them. And who oh, this was, this was bought and paid four years ago by Soros. Right. To create chaos. Why Soros is in jail is beyond me. I don't know. Well, you know, continuing on with that, you know, on, on the last block, we're going to call this uh, block good guys with guns. Mm -hmm. Oh, just as a, just as a uh, uh, housekeeping, I'm having some flickering on my end. So if I drop off, just keep going with the show and I'll try to get back on when I can. We're having some weather here. So we'll see what yeah, happens. We have weather in the Northeast Corridor. Today. Yep. There's nothing we can do about it. So anyhow, Bloxy, good guys with guns. Mm -hmm. All right. So if you listen to the left and you listen to the Montgomery County Council and you listen to the Governor Hochul, more guns in public means more crime. No, you're no. wrong. Mm -mm. More good guys in public with guns means less crime. And then if something does happen, it's going to be mitigated. Right. And they just say that's just not possible. Well, yesterday in Indiana, unfortunately, a crazed, deranged maniac goes into a shopping mall in Greenwood, Indiana. Mm. He fatally shoots three people in a food court and uh. injures two in an Indiana mall. Okay. He mm -hmm. had an AR, probably an AR 15. Doesn't make any difference. Could have been a Ruger 1022. It could have been uh, anything. There's a 22 year old kid from Bartholomew County who was legally carrying a firearm at the mall. He's got a permit. He's, he's good to go. Indiana's permitting is very, very lackadaisical. He's carrying concealed. He engaged the shooter. He neutralized the shooter before any more damage could be done. Good guy with a gun. It's not the guns that kill. It's the people that are holding them. And if anybody out there thinks that evil doesn't exist in the world, you are sadly mistaken. The devil's greatest trick was convincing you he didn't exist. Yeah. And that comes to the comes to this point where we have these gun-free zones, and you see a lot of that here in New York. Or, oh, yeah. I think in Texas, the... Uh, a, an establishment can say no guns allowed, right? And hey, then, yep, absolutely. Then I would look at that and say, I'm not, I'm not patronizing your establishment. Then correct, no guns, no money. We used to have stickers when I lived in Minnesota. When they passed the concealed carry law, they pulled a lot of the same emotional terrorism, right? Mm. We don't allow guns in our establishment. We used to go in there and we used to hand the uh, business owner a card that says no guns, no money. Right. And guess what? All those stickers came down. I've right. always maintained that you speak loudest with your wallet. Mm -hmm. But, like, I would rather know that whoever's next to me, they may have a gun, they may not. I, it's not hey, I'm not doing anything to them. I'm going to provoke them anyway. But it's not, it's, it, I'd rather have someone that is law-abiding and is there to protect the well, the good, and is high moral character, because these criminals are not following the law to begin with. Correct. So, there, there's no law that has been written that a criminal won't violate. Correct. Hence, that's why they're criminals. So they're the very definition of a criminal is somebody who doesn't follow the rules of society to begin with. So I mm -hmm. don't know how we think making more paper is going to stop these people. 
you know, uh, you know, I hate to bring it up, and this is a, a very sore subject because a lot of stuff is being talked about about Uvalde. Mm-hmm. Can we just imagine for one minute, had one of the teachers, administrators, or somebody in that school had been armed, the opportunity to mitigate that situation would have been tremendous. It would have been the same situation we just saw in Indiana. Correct. Maybe a couple of kids would have gotten killed. A couple of people would have gotten killed. Even the good guy with a gun could have gotten killed, but not before he scarred a hit or two on an assailant, a determined assailant. And what's what's bothersome to me, Alpha, is that there's videos showing the police standing oh. there right outside the door, and the, and the, the video is coming out. The truth is coming out. And some people have some things to answer for quickly. Well, the old, the old, well, the old expression used to be when, when seconds count, police are only minutes away. Yeah. Well, in this situation, when seconds counted, police were only hours away. Right. And I can't tell you how many incidents have been prevented by the presence of a firearm. Mm -hmm. Law abiding citizens who go through a process of training and permitting you know, regardless, a criminal background check, they're not your problem. Right. It's people who don't follow the rules to begin with that are your problem. Mm -hmm. Anyhow, I think that's pretty much enough for today. You know, we got a lot of stuff going on. <laughs> you know, we can go on with this for hours and hours and hours. But, you well, know, seeing that the weather is kind of acting up on my end here, but that's not, you know, we got through what we needed to get through. So. We, we, we did. And, you know, hey, listen, it. I got to keep going. Uh, well, you know, it's primary day is coming up, you know, uh, for us tomorrow in a lot of states. Make sure to go out and vote in your primaries. Uh, and we'd like to thank our soldiers, sailors, and airmen for protecting us 24-7, 365, and our police, fire, and EMS for working with us every day out on the street. We really appreciate you. And uh, everybody out there, God bless. Have a great day. Take care, everyone.